0: This is a lot of the stuff that I wish that I had thought about when I was first choosing a therapist, um, mm. at least choosing a therapist that I wanted to be with for relatively long term. Um, there's a lot of these things I really didn't think about. And also, I think I also kind of came to the process feeling like I don't get to choose necessarily, or I don't get to be picky, yeah. or I don't get to advocate for myself in that way. And um, I do. think but you do is the thing. I think that that's kind of a holdover from our assumptions around therapy being this kind of magical process where the therapist or counselor has all the power and all the knowledge. And if they're good at their job, the therapy happens before you even realize what happened. Right. It's like they're
1: they're like (laughs) tricking you into getting better is always how (laughs) my impression of therapy before doing it was that, that there's some sort of mastermind pulling these puppet strings and kind of tricking you into getting over your shit. And it's, On this episode of the multi amory podcast we're continuing our conversation about therapy what's it all about? Should you be doing it? Probably we all probably <laughs> should sometimes now so so last week we talked about uh, some of the common obstacles to why like why it's hard to get yourself to go to therapy even if you think it might be helpful uh, as well as sort of the huge variety of different types of therapy that there can be and then today we're going to continue on talking about some things to consider when trying to choose a therapist as well as how to go about choosing a therapist what that process looks like and then we're going to talk about some uh, resources and things like that that can help you find either more affordable online therapy or therapists who are comfortable with your lifestyle or your sexual preferences or your sexual proclivities That <laughs> sounds dirty when I say oh it that gosh. way it
2: <laughs> wow <laughs> jeez
0: Jace I mean uh, it's, your sexual proclivities are not always going to be relevant in a therapeutic that's
1: setting right but if they are though if that's what you want to talk to a therapist right. about then they should know what the heck they're talking about right, right. yeah that and not true.
2: like have some sort of big obstacle in the way like oh I'm right. I don't believe in that, or I think that you're a deviant, or whatever. Yeah, so right. we'll get into
1: those types of things. But clearly, your problem is that you like to be slapped, so exactly. let's talk about mm. that. And you're like, no, 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 I want to talk about my communication with my partner, and not about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Huh, so it's been a week since I had a bit of a, uh, a, a time on the episode, like a, a short, small um, cry-fest... That I eventually like dealt with but it definitely sort of stuck with me the rest of that evening after Mm -hmm. we had finished the episode after we had finished recording and I still haven't pulled the trigger yet on like finding a therapist we'll we'll see what happens after I get through this um, episode this week but I feel like I'm I'm getting I'm inching closer to feeling at least better about it and and more excited to try and to go.
0: Well, if there's anything that I think we maybe touched on last week, as um, I'm sure you're not, you're by far not the only person out there Mm -hmm. who feels that way, you know, and also emotionally feeling that way about these particular, um, you know, not even just excuses, but also just like attitudes handed down to us as well as, you know, just straight up obstacles uh, mm-hmm. you know, that can get between us and um, getting the help that we need. You know, it's I'm sure you're not the only one who feels that kind of um, uh, emotionally fraught about it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I, I doubt it. But I, I am interested to hear more from our from our patrons and our listeners about this once the episodes finally come out. So mm-hmm. definitely looking forward to that. So what w- are we going to talk about today?
0: Well, Uh, we're going to start out in talking about um, some just special considerations to think about when choosing a therapist. Um, We're going to start with broad strokes, and then we're going to get a little bit more specific and more granular and more detailed as the episode goes on. I will say, um, just to preface this, that this is a lot of the stuff that I wish that I had thought about when I was first choosing a therapist, Um, Mm -hmm. at least choosing a therapist that I wanted to be with for relatively long term. Um, there's a lot of these things I really didn't think about. And also, I think I also kind of came to the process feeling like I don't get to choose necessarily, or I don't get to be picky. Yeah, or I don't get to advocate for myself in that way. And um, I you do. Think, but you do is the thing. I think that that's kind of a holdover from our assumptions around therapy being this kind of magical process where the therapist or counselor has all the power and all the knowledge. And if they're good at their job, the therapy happens before you even realize what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like they're,
1: they're like <laughs> tricking you into getting better is always how it, my impression of therapy before doing it was that, that there's some sort of mastermind pulling these puppet strings and kind of tricking you into getting over your shit. And it's generally not how it works.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, as well as that power dynamic as well, um, that I think that leaves a lot of us feeling like, as the client or as the patient, that we can't be like, "Hey, actually, that thing that you're suggesting that I do really isn't working for me," or, "Actually, I feel like I'm really lacking X, Y, and Z in our work together." Um, it, it took me a long time to realize that I could. Uh, Have say you that. done that
2: before in in any therapy that you've done or?
0: Um. Well, with my current therapist. And also with my, you know, my, my trauma therapist, uh, I didn't really have an experience of like, Oh, I feel like I'm lacking this thing and telling them that it was more that um, I kind of got better at being like, Hey, I need some concrete advice here. Mm. Or, Hey, I I need to hear from you that you've also experienced this. I need to hear from you that I'm not crazy. You know um, that I think I've gotten better at just more asking proactively for what I need. And I will say that on the opposite side of that, you know, in my work with clients, when clients are clear in that way, it's super helpful, honestly. Cool. And like, I think being on the other side of it helped me feel a little bit more empowered to just more specifically ask like, hey, actually, can we talk about this instead of that? Can we try this instead of this? Can I get this from you? And so so, so on and so forth.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That very unique position of being able to be on like both sides of the table um, to a degree. Right. And I know that a lot of therapists or a lot of people who work with others go to therapy for like their entire lives. So yeah, it, it, that makes sense. And there's less of a, probably less of a stigma surrounding it because you're like, this is literally my work. I'm not going to stigmatize <laughs> it. <laughs> like, yes, whatever.
0: but I will say, you know, I, I my trauma therapist and I ended up talking about this for a, a long time that he said that, you know what he's seen, because he also in his work works a lot with people who are therapists or counselors um, Mm. is there's um, not quite stigma, but there's definitely this big cultural weight that I think has been handed to a lot of therapists to fill that role of being the person who knows everything Mm. and has all the power in the room and can magically do therapy. You know, it's like that assumption doesn't just affect the client. It also affects the therapist. And so there's also a fair amount of shame underlying you know these feelings of am I being a good enough therapist or how can I be helping people when I have my own shit that I haven't worked out yet you know there's there's a lot of that um totally that's maybe a different conversation for a different show or maybe even even a different podcast altogether but that is definitely something I mean uh, I guess the whole point of this is that you know counselors or coaches or therapists or other healing professionals are human as well and um we're all on this journey together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll talk about this a little bit more later about the the client and therapist relationship and kind of what that ideally will look like. But it is essentially a team effort, right? That That you both, there's a certain amount of trust and collaboration going on there. And it's not only you telling them what to do. And it's not only them telling you what to do, right? That there's ideally sort of a, a teamwork going on there. Uh, okay. Do you want to dive into to some considerations when choosing therapy? Let's do it. Okay. First thing on our list that we want to talk about here is couples therapy. If that's something that you're thinking about, maybe we should go to, to couples therapy. So a few things to consider here. First off is that if that's something you want to do, it's very likely that one of the two of you can be anxious that the therapist is going to side with your partner and it's going to be like this two on one. And so it's like, okay, I'm already having to fight and now I'm going to get ganged up on. That sounds horrible. Like that can bring up a lot of, of resistance to that. And something to be aware of though, is that marital therapists are attuned to the different communication styles and are generally skilled at working with couples, um, You know, often the trainings are specifically focused on heterosexual cisgender couples. But as we'll talk about later, if you find therapists who have more experience working with uh, couples like yours, whether that couple actually is three people or, you know, whether that's a same sex couple or transgender or something like that, having a therapist who, who gets that helps. But I think it's important to realize that the therapist's job, if they're any good at all, is to make it so that everyone's heard. Like the therapist's job is not at all like you see in TV shows where they're kind of sitting on the side of one person, you know, questioning the husband and making him challenge everything about his beliefs or whatever, right? I feel like I've seen that trope a lot.
0: Something that you can consider, I, I don't see a lot of places doing this, but if you really are concerned about a therapist potentially siding with one side or the other, there are some places that will offer a co therapy team in which. So interesting. I, had no I know idea. you can have two therapists working along with you. You know, so sometimes, if, for instance, for heterosexual couples, they'll, they'll offer a male and female therapist together so that everyone can feel as arbitrarily as secure as possible <laughs> that no one's going to side <laughs> exactly. with one or the other. Now, I mean, this does <laughs> sound a little bit silly, but the Gottman Institute, um, relatively recently, like within the last couple of years or so, based on their research, they did start a marathon therapy program that you can uh, apply for. Why do you call it a
2: marathon?
0: Because instead of it being, I think the traditional scheduling with marital therapy is we'll meet once a week, you know, or maybe twice a week towards the beginning and then switch to once a week Um, where instead they do, you're going to come to therapy For six consecutive days, and it's going to be six hours every single day. And we're just going to really get into the mud there and do it like boot camp style. I'm really, really curious about it. I mean, I don't don't feel like.
2: Many thousands of dollars to do. I think I'm pretty sure sure it is. Well,
0: I mean, you're essentially paying all that up front. You know, you probably spend a couple thousand dollars over the full course of marital therapy. And so it's instead paying all that up front and then just doing this. I'm very curious about it. Um, If anybody out there who's listening has experienced some kind of marathon therapy, we'd love to hear from you. I'm not in a place right now where with either of my relationships, it feels like so dire. We need to go to marathon therapy. But I just I wish I want to try it. Just... Purely for the sake of, of curiosity.
1: I mean, I love the idea of it because when I think about it, you know, like the, the sort of typical problem that can happen with couples therapy is it's like we go and we have these good conversations in therapy. And then, we'll, you know, the very next morning, we're back to our old habits and patterns. And I mm-hmm. like the idea of you're doing it for that long every day for a week that it's like, you're kind of really retraining how we Big do reset. this and, and yeah. not sort of giving yourself time to keep falling back into the previous habits. I don't know. That that's really cool. Yeah. It's really interesting. I'm curious. I'm curious. We, they and, did
0: find in their research that, that the most effective scheduling for therapy to avoid relapse was mm-hmm. what they call it massing and fading, which is, you know, front loading more frequent, therapy sessions at the beginning and then slowly kind of fading out hmm. with less and less frequent therapy sessions but i think
1: right. they, were,
0: they decided to try this marathon therapy thing as like an extreme version of that of if we really mass and then really right. fade
2: after that <laughs> and
1: then you're
0: done and it's
2: great yeah
0: oh, wow. Anyways, that's really
1: interesting i could see yeah. that being helpful
0: yeah, um, but with couples therapy, uh, you know, again, something to think about is that there are times when it's not. The best choice to go to couples therapy. I mean, this is something that I didn't know for a long time and, and really had to rewrite my assumptions around this. But for instance, uh, if there's abuse going on in the relationship, and that's not just physical abuse, but it could be emotional abuse, verbal abuse, um, if there's like an abusive cycle going on, that going into couples therapy could actually make it worse. Um, and I've definitely witnessed it many times where instead of it really fixing the problems, you know, the person who is abusive just gets better at abusing, you know, because then they get armed with a therapeutic language and they know how to still manipulate and control, but in a way that's kind of more gentle or even to the therapist looks more gentle, things like that. Um, Also, if there's instances where if one or both people are struggling with a severe addiction, for instance, or a very severe untreated mental illness, um, in those cases, it's probably better to think about getting into individual therapy first before considering couples therapy. So keep that in mind again. And I mean, with the abuse dynamic thing, sometimes it can be hard to tell when you're in it, if that's what's going on, or if it's just a toxic or dysfunctional dynamic. And so if in doubt, also good to go to individual therapy first and maybe run it by your therapist.
2: So now we're going to talk about another consideration, which is gender. So for some people, it might be easier to be with the same gender therapist as you are because maybe you feel like, I don't know, they can relate better to you. And maybe it's easier for you to be with someone of a different gender because then you can gain a new perspective. I know personally, I have some friends who were abused by their fathers and their therapists are women because they don't want to. That That's triggering to them in various ways. So that's a consideration to think about. Something may be easier for you if you are with someone who understands kind of where you're coming from. So that's one of those considerations that you might have to look at.
0: Um, along with that, uh, you know, some people also really like to consider race when they're choosing a therapist. Um, you know, we can definitely find therapists that are well trained in being anti-racist or working within anti-racist models. Um, but it may be important for you to work with somebody who specifically understands your own racial background and racial trauma, um, or for if you have an immigrant background and want somebody who understands that. Um, because again, if part of you going to therapy is also working through times that you've been marginalized or the victim of abuse or discrimination. It may be vital for you to work with somebody who uh, has a background similar to you or to avoid working with somebody who has a background similar to the person that um, abused you or discriminated against you.
1: Yeah. And then kind of going along with finding different ways to relate to your therapist, religion can come up for a lot of people and this can come up both in the sense of is say that you are religious, like Christian, for example, or you're Jewish that you might want to find a therapist who has that same religion as you, because for you, you find working within that religion to be helpful for you or, uh, for other people, it might be essential to find a therapist who's not religious because if they try to pull that religious bullshit on you, you're just going to storm right out, or it's just not going to be helpful, or or it's going to be a disconnect between the two of you. So I think that's an area, and I would even take this further from just sort of institutionalized religions like that to also being even just like how sort of spiritually they are versus how just like cold hard facts they are, that finding a good match for you, can be helpful if you're someone who's like, no, I just want the cold, hard facts. You know, let's get my brain computer working versus if you're someone who does get more benefit out of thinking about, you know, your, your energy or spirits of things, stuff like that. Again, it's just what really matters is that you can communicate well with each other. And that's like, we're going to get to that more later. Right. But that teamwork between the two of you. So that's something else to consider.
2: And I found out there are actual like religious faith-based counseling that is out mm. there and that yeah. means more that they're going to use things like religious texts and teachings uh, and maybe even prayer in conjunction with more traditional therapy models so if that's something that you're excited about then that's something that you can maybe look for Otherwise, there are reasons to also want to steer clear of that. So that's something to look at. when There's also
0: therapists now that specialize in religious PTSD. So that's also a thing. Yeah,
2: Yeah. many, many considerations from that standpoint. And so, okay, LGBTQ therapists or people who have worked within the LGBTQ community, Uh, that's definitely a strong consideration for many people that they are understanding of kind of what you are going through and what you have gone through as an lgbtq person and again if there is someone who is very religious who is a therapist who has an objection to who you are then that's definitely something to take a look at and to not choose that person as a therapist right
0: And, of course, um, if you're in some kind of non-traditional relationship, in a non-monogamous relationship, polyamorous relationship, um, it is essential that you find someone who either has worked with other non-monogamous people or is at least comfortable working with and affirming non-monogamous relationships. Um, Of course, I think that many of you out there can certainly share some uh, sad And mad stories about, (laughs) um, you know, trying to find a therapist that is understanding or affirming of that, you know, we're at a time of shift where we are just now starting to see there being, for instance, professional trainings, you know, Dr. Eli Sheff, um, is right now uh, launching a brand new professional training specifically for therapists to become more well-versed in styles of non-monogamy and how to work with them because.
1: And Ruby Bowie Johnson does similar workshops Mm. for therapists to learn. Yeah.
0: Yes. um, Because a lot of people out there, including therapists and counselors have preconceived judgments about non-monogamy and some internal biases that see, you know, consensual non-monogamy as inherently not as solid as monogamy that it could be a root cause or symptom of an unhappy relationship um or could even claim you know pathologize it claim that oh because you want non-monogamy or you're in a non-monogamous relationship that means there's something messed up about your attachment style things like that um something that i want to say to kind of tie all these different areas of consideration together and of course there's definitely more you know that we haven't covered you know like dealing with disability or social class or things like that um That I think it's uh, interesting for you as a person to just think about, you know, how important is it to me that my therapist is knowledgeable and friendly and accepting of these things or these parts of my identity versus how important is it to me that my therapist has personal lived experience with these Mm -hmm. things? And neither of those are right or wrong necessarily, but I think it does come down to... Who you are as a client and what's personal. going to be most helpful for you yes exactly you know so you may feel like yeah it's okay if my therapist doesn't have my same religious background necessarily but it is important to me that um they actually share my experience as a queer person you know so my my therapist ident- identifying as queer themselves is actually really important to me um and that's okay you know you can definitely go and look for that and for some people it may be the opposite so that's just something to think about with all of this
1: Yeah. And along with that, like Dedeker shared in the previous episode that going to one particular therapist or doing one particular type of therapy might not be the right one at a certain time, but it might be right for you later. So something else to consider here is that you're not committed to this one therapist for life, right? That say right now you're trying to work on something that has to do with your disability or has to do with your sexual preference, find a therapist who really gets that and ideally specializes in it. And then later, if you're like, actually, now it's more about sort of my spiritual identity. So I'm going to find someone who focuses more on that and specializes more in that. Right. So this, this can change uh, at different times as well. And then also just real quick with the idea of sharing your experience or not, like Dedeker mentioned before, you can ask your therapist or your counselor or your coach or whoever it is, if it's like, what I need right now is to know, is this normal? Like, do other people go through this? And having someone who specializes in it, they're just going to have way more breadth of experience of like, yes, this is something that all gay men go through. Or like, yes, this is something that non-monogamous people go through. All my friends and partners have gone through it. Like we all get it. So that's, that's something that can be really helpful.
0: And this is also something um, I will say that there's a long history with therapy and counseling in the way that therapists and counselors are trained to really, really discourage um, anything remotely resembling self-disclosure. You know, I mean, going Mm -hmm. all the way back to Freud and like the early versions of psychoanalysis, you know, the image was that the therapist is there just supposed to be a mirror, a blank mirror, you know, so they literally just reflect back. I think that's why we get that trope of like, okay, but how do you feel about that? Okay, you said this. How do you feel about that? That, you know, the therapist is supposed to function as not even a human being in the room. They're just yeah. a mirror. And at least what I'm seeing, especially as I do more professional training, I'm seeing the narrative around that starting to shift a little bit toward, um, you know, encouraging therapists and counselors to do a little bit more self-disclosure within reason, if it feels safe and if it feels appropriate, Um you know there's always going to have to be a little bit of professional distance there but that i think that we're going to start to see that laying a foundation for um i think uh, the therapeutic relationship that's so interesting a little bit better in that way yeah wow. it is interesting huh yeah
2: well i mean when i think of myself like that empathy sort of you know you have been through the same experience or a similar experience as i have is is really incredible in my relationships with other people and so to have i guess in my mind i've always thought like that would be absent and this would be a different type of relationship which clearly it would be a different relationship than one that i have with say the two of you for example but uh, maybe empathy would be added in a little bit more understanding of like hey i've also been through something similar and i like that i like that idea even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW, avoid or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also
0: That's Multi, M-U-L-T-I, at AdamandEve.com, AdamMail.com, or Eve'sToys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I.
1: And this is a good segue into our next section, which is now about not just these sort of... Uh, I guess, larger external situations, but also just looking to now when you're actually talking to different therapists, starting to engage with them and figure out which one might be right for you. Uh, the first thing here is something that's referred to either as the therapeutic relationship or the therapeutic alliance, or I think there's some other names like the working alliance or the helping alliance. And basically this is a term for that basically that idea that the therapist and the client need to like one another a certain amount and get along well, so that there is this good sort of freedom of communication and a willingness to work with one another. The American psychological association published a report in 2014 that said the therapy relationship makes substantial and consistent contributions to psychotherapy outcome, independent of the specific type of treatment. The therapy relationship accounts for why clients improve or fail to improve at least as much as the particular treatment method. That's, so that's really that, interesting, that's big, yeah. right? That, yeah, that's less than the modality that you, or more than the modality you choose, what matters is that you find a therapist that you're able to have a good relationship with.
2: I have heard of some of my friends who've been to therapy that their therapists do actually say like, hey, I think we need to stop seeing each other and you need to find someone else, which is very interesting. And I'm like, why would that happen? But if the two of you don't get along and if you're not progressing, then yeah, I mean, it's impressive that and and probably good for a therapist to say, hey, I see that this is not working. We need to try something else or you need to try something else here Mm -hmm. right so now look back at your our list of considerations, and if you have any of your own that we didn't discuss, and check out therapists, check out their bios, because you might be able to kind of glean some nuggets of information about them, uh, see if there's anyone who speaks to you, if there's people who you think you can relate to, uh, and you might not have any preferences regarding who you want to speak to, and that's also okay. There are online sites and apps that we're going to be talking about a little bit later, and they do do give you things like questionnaires and they ask you about your background and they ask you if there are things that you would like to work on and then they give you a few different people to choose from and you can kind of go from there again i'm not speaking from experience but just from my (laughs) research to have the two of you done that i know Dedeker, you've done some apps and jace i think so too yeah Yeah. well
0: you will be speaking from experience eventually yes okay yes
2: yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i've gone through the process of trying to find a therapist uh, a couple times now where i've been on the hunt you know and i will say this part of the process it does take time and energy so i don't want to diminish that, that, um, that that's another obstacle, you know, is you can finally be like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to find somebody. And then you can be overwhelmed by either the amount of choice or the lack of choice, depending on where you are. Um, and even just the, the whole process of sending messages and stuff like that. Um, as a rule of thumb, when you're starting to hunt, I always, um, I made the mistake early on of just like finding, oh yeah, here's this one therapist. They seem perfect. Great. I'm going to send them a message. And that's the only therapist I'm going to reach out to, Mm. you know, I try to make a list of like three to five people that I'm going to message initially, because, you know, all the time they're just like, oh, we're not accepting clients. Or sometimes people just like don't get their contact form emails from their website, which is baffling to me, but it does happen. Um, You know, so I always encourage people to get yourself at least a little bit of buffer in reaching out to at least three to five different people at first and kind of seeing what the response is
2: and that's Um, the thing i didn't know either is that you have to like write someone and reach out to them i just like figured i would like call my insurance company and like try to find someone and that like that would be it but you're yeah both of you have talked about like writing the therapist i'm like i have to write a little letter what?
0: Uh, well, I mean, that's a whole other thing also is that, uh, you know, trying to find an, a therapist that takes your insurance. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a whole other thing. I mean, then you can start with like at your insurance website, often they'll have a, a search function for finding providers. You can start there and then look at people's websites individually, send them messages and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I have found that generally all of the insurance sites, at least that I've ever used will pretty much just let you search by geographic location and it just gives you their names. Yeah.
0: It doesn't and give then, you anything else.
1: Oh, you have to then open up separate tabs and like copy those in and try to search them on yelp or or like various you know Mm -hmm. doctor reviewing sites or try to find their bios it it doesn't make it easy so this is it is a project like do give yourself some time yeah and realize like okay yeah maybe take some notes put together a little document that you can paste the different bios into or or whatever it is make it easier on yourself by realizing there's gonna it's gonna involve some paperwork digital paperwork on your end
0: Yeah, don't make the mistake that I've made a couple times in the past, which is like waiting until I'm at a point of desperation and I just I need to talk to somebody and then
2: how do I find someone? I've got to jump through (laughs)
0: 600 hoops before I can actually talk to somebody. So just just bear that in mind, you know, and give yourself the gift of that time ahead of time if you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, so, other things to look at uh, when you're searching through ther- for therapists, either through you know like your insurance website or through Psychology Today or stuff like that. Of course, um, there's a lot of letters behind people's names. In our bonus episode for last episode, we went more in detail about what all those letters might mean, how to tell the difference between them. Um, just in broad strokes, uh, you know, know that a psychiatrist. Uh, you know, so they'll have what, like an MD next to their name, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or a, a what, a psy, a psy, no, psy, no, no, Psyducks,
1: <laughs> no Psydux, well, just
2: <laughs> the MD is is a psychiatrist, but then uh-huh. psychologist is something else, right? Which right. is a psy D, yeah. Psy-D.
1: yeah. Or a doctor of philosophy of psychology. You can
2: tell
0: we're experts at this. Um, So (laughs) don't take our word for it. Go out there and Google. If there's letters next to the name of somebody and you don't know what they are, Google it. You know, there's pretty reliable resources out there. Um, But yeah, in broad strokes, you know, someone who's a psychiatrist has their doctoral degree. They're someone who can actually prescribe medication for you. There's, uh, you know, an LMFT, like a marriage and family therapist, or an LCSW, a licensed social worker, um, or an LPC, like a counselor. Um, Those are terms that are generally protected. Um, There's other terms or labels that are not protected, um, you know, like what are the stuff we've seen floating around like a somatic sexologist or a life coach relationship coach body worker energy worker um or therapeutic energy worker things like that and these are terms that are not necessarily protected doesn't mean that they are bad or not helpful but just to do your due diligence you know when you're researching someone and what their credentials are um so again, these particular credentials may not matter to you. It may not matter to you very much if your therapist is a LCSW versus an LPC, for instance. But if you have very specific considerations and things that you're looking for in a therapist, or you're looking for someone who specializes, um, it's okay to look into whether or not that therapist is trained in that, has a specialization in that particular thing. Um, I it's think also- that's,
1: that's a case where... Just going for someone with, you think, the fanciest title or the most education (laughs) might not be the best fit if what you want is something that is very specific, that might be more likely that someone who is a coach... Could specialize in that because it's not something that's covered in kind of the big university psychology departments, such as non-monogamy still or certain, uh, you know, certain aspects of being queer or trans or something like that. So just just something to keep in mind that of like what it is you want them to be focused on is important.
0: Yeah. And when you're starting to reach out to people, um, it's good to create a list of questions that you might have for when you do first meet a therapist, some therapists or counselors will offer, you know, a 20 minute consultation call that's totally for free to see if you're a good match, you know, and so some examples of important questions can be, you know, what is your expertise or specialty? What is your background? What approach do you take? What's your general cost per session? Um if this is important to you, do you prescribe medication or are you able to refer me to somebody who does? Uh, Is your approach to therapy long-term or short-term? Do you continue to get new training or, you know, do you adjust your approach based on new research? Um, What's your process for getting patients comfortable with therapy? Um, Or can you tell me a little bit about yourself? You know, what drew you to this, things like that. Um, It is okay to, to ask both easy questions and hard questions in my personal opinion, because this is important. You know, this is, this is like, you know, it's like a first date, but the stakes are uh, high. I mean, I guess stakes <laughs> could be high on a first date also, but I think the stakes are maybe a little bit higher when it comes to your emotional well-being. Yeah.
1: In this it's, case, it's like maybe a cross between a first date slash first friend date with a job interview. Mm-hmm. It's like somewhere, somewhere in between those two. That sounds like a lot, jeez. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. So finally here we're going to talk about some resources and non-traditional outlets for therapy. So for a person like me, who I don't have the best insurance, there's not a lot of people in Los Angeles, which is one of the most expensive places to probably seek out therapy in the country. I and it may be easier for me and for a lot of you out there to do apps or to do online therapy i mean almost every therapy right now at this particular moment is online because of the pandemic A lot. it's it I, is kind
1: of a good time for this because a lot of therapists are moving to being able to do online yeah, so, yeah absolutely
0: so we're gonna do a rough review of some popular therapy apps out there um now, we initially did include prices on this but then decided not because uh you know, these things shift and change so frequently. So of course, go to these apps directly or their websites directly to get the most up-to-date information about how much they cost. Generally speaking, most of these end up working out to cost uh, less than the the out-of-pocket cost of traditional therapy, which is part of their appeal. Um however, most of these don't necessarily accept insurance, some of them uh, do have plans that were maybe they could potentially work uh, with your employer as a possible benefit through your employer? Um, so, again, with all of these, um, you know, go to their website to get the most uh, up to date information about cost and billing and things like that.
2: All right. So the first one is Talkspace. So they have therapy for adults, for teens, for couples. The service is offered free also through employers as an employee benefit or in network through EAP and health insurers. Through but certain employers, not everybody. Yes, right. it, yes, through certain employers. <laughs> My employer certainly does not give this, but others might. I <laughs> uh, And all therapists have the highest clinical license in the state in which they practice, as well as three years of direct clinical experience. And you can do things like text your counselor when situations arise in addition to Having weekly sessions with them, so that's kind of a nice thing because I don't think that you can like your therapist who you know you go to drive to an office in Beverly Hills or whatever. It's difficult to like text them probably, but it, uh, via these apps you can do that. So of course we have
0: to compare Talkspace to BetterHelp, which is the other big therapy, online therapy app and platform right now. BetterHelp matches you to a therapist based on a questionnaire that you fill out. Uh, The therapists must have at least three years and 2000 hours of experience. And you can switch counselors if your person is not a match. I've definitely done that before. Uh, But the therapists are not able to diagnose or prescribe over the platform. And again, you can do things like live video sessions or phone sessions, texting Live chats, things like that. In my experience with both of these platforms, I found that Talkspace has a little bit more of upfront... What? Upfront hoops to jump through to get matched. Ah. It was a little bit more of an intensive matching process. BetterHelp's Mm. process is a little bit less intensive... People may be drawn to one or the other. I found with BetterHelp, they do make it very easy to switch counselors because one time when I was using BetterHelp, they matched me with someone where I was like, I, I don't feel like they, this was a good match at all. Just based on this person's specialization and things I specifically requested. And it was very easy to switch counselors, uh, you know, to find someone that, that worked really well for me.
1: Right. Yeah. And generally something to keep in mind, too, with both of these that allow for texting, sending text based messages to your your therapist is that generally as as a rule, they, they won't get back to you till maybe the next day. So it's not like immediately like emergency. I can text a friend right now. Sometimes they might get back to you quickly, but just it's not it's not like these people are now somehow your You're BFF bad. who's <laughs> always going to respond the second that you text them. Just something to, to keep in mind there. Okay, the next one we have is Larker. Larker. So this one's a, a new one to me. And this is one that uses a like AI quiz type thing to match you with a therapist based on the info that you provide. It also has a self-care interface that you can use for free before you sign up. So that's stuff like journaling or mood tracking. There's other apps that just do that, but it's kind of interesting that this one has that as well as connecting you with an actual therapist. And the data that's gathered from those things will be used to help you find the right therapist. It's a pretty interesting, different approach to it. From what I've gathered, this one is more expensive for the therapy sessions than the other ones. It's a little more like the costs of traditional therapy, uh, but that could be be interesting to you as well. Uh, And same sort of thing where you can call or text with your therapist in between sessions, but the actual sessions... Can, are are generally a video call and you might be able to get your insurance to work with this one maybe not but it just kind of kind of depends
0: yeah and then there's also this app called regain which does similar things to all the previous apps that we've talked about but this is specifically for online couples therapy. I do have a few clients of mine who have had some good experiences using Regain. So couples they'll share an account, you and your partner and the therapist all have access to the same quote-unquote room so you can do live sessions either alone or with your partner, each of you can write what's going on, ask questions, spell out your issues and then the therapist can log into the room and offer feedback and advice. Regain mostly relies on written communication instead of real-time therapy so you can do it asynchronously at any time and you and your partner can also go back and read the history of advice or feedback that's been given at any time
2: and finally teen counseling is an app that is for kids teens so someone 13 to 19 if you fall into that category or you have a kid who is interested in therapy then this is a good app for them and it is kind of similar to regain the client has a room that only they and the therapist have access to and they can go back and forth as often as needed even in the middle of the night apparently So the teen has four options for talking to the therapist, messaging, live chatting, scheduled phone or video sessions. And there are over 3000 therapists that are state licensed and trained, and they have experience with young people. So kind of
1: a big conglomeration of different apps for whatever your needs are. Yeah. So definitely check them all out. I would recommend, uh, you know, look at look at their interfaces, look at what they're about, see what their pricing is, see which ones might work with your employer or your insurance, something like that. But in general, these are a nice lower cost way than seeing an in-person therapist. And right now, like we mentioned a little bit before, a lot of therapists are doing sessions remotely now anyway uh, because of lockdown. Okay, so now if you want to find a therapist or a counselor or a coach who understands non monogamy, that's another one because, in my experience, that generally doesn't show up on these apps in their questionnaires. Have you ever had that come up in a questionnaire, Dedeker?
0: No, for better help, I have to spell it out in any of the text boxes very clearly i, I did that, the
1: same thing too yeah, yeah. i am yeah.
2: not in a monogamous relationship right yeah. or,
0: or, and also just spell out very clearly this is my identity these are my relationships and it is extremely important to me to find a counselor who is affirming mm. of that and mm-hmm. understanding of that or maybe even knowledgeable about that cool. on right. psychology today psychology today has this huge directory that therapists and counselors can sign up for and they will let you they will let you um, filter by the therapist sexuality, racial background, specialization, but they do not yet have a way to filter by you know, non-monogamy friendly or kink friendly or polyamory friendly yet. I, I have a feeling they're going to reach a tipping point where, where that's going to happen, but that hasn't happened yet.
1: And before that happens, in the meantime, or even after that happens, uh, there are five different resources that we wanted to mention here. The first is called Polyamory Friendly Professionals Directory, which is at polyfriendly.org. The next one is the Kink Aware Professionals Directory, or CAP, which is at ncsfreedom.org. And this one, while being kink aware, also does include uh, polyamory and non monogamy friendly therapists as well. Uh, there's one called the Open List, which is at openingup.net slash open dash list. Uh, again, you can also just Google these things. If you Google kink aware professionals directory or polyamory friendly professionals directory or the Open List, you'll find them that way too. Uh, Loving More has the polyamory loving more member professional list. Boy, that's a mouthful. That's a <laughs> lovingmore And then uh, there's a site called Affirmative Couch. I always want to call it Affirmative Coach, but it's affirmative couch. <laughs> the like couch the is couch affirmative. You're sitting on. Yes. This couch is so affirmative. Uh AffirmativeCouch.com. They have uh, a section called Meet Our Experts where they talk about some of their i think it's their writers for their site but they're also people that you could go see who are affirming
0: <laughs> and, and, the
1: couches. Couches. and their couches are affirmative <laughs> Their couches also are. <laughs> cannot stress how affirmative the couches are though
0: something i want to highlight about the the cap directory the king aware professionals directory is it's not just a directory of mental health professionals they also include attorneys or accountants, uh, people who offer legal services or health and wellness services or doctors outside of just the mental health sphere. So that I always thought was really cool that if you want to find someone where it's like I need someone to figure out my estate planning and I have multiple partners um, or I run a dungeon and I need to figure out who's going to inherit that after I die, you know, I need to find an attorney or an estate planner who's affirming of that and not going to be all weird when I talk about that, that you can also find that in the Kinkaware Professionals directory
1: yeah same same with the polyamory friendly professionals directory they're both Mm. modeled very similarly where it's same thing lawyers and doctors and chiropractors and massage therapists and all sorts of things yeah
2: very cool wow well we've done it we've talked about therapy In two episodes, and I learned a ton from both of this. So thank you both for your knowledge that you added to this episode, even past what I researched. I really appreciate it. Uh, So we're going to finally, on our bonus for our patrons, talk about... If you are looking for a polyamory or non-monogamy friendly counselor, here are some questions that you might ask and maybe talk a little bit more about those letters that both of you have talked about sending off to a therapist cuz
0: you make it sound like we sit down at our desks and like get out a dear cool pen and just dear, <laughs> dear potential <diary>. therapist <laughs> I'm very interested in creating a business relationship with you. Please let me know your credentials and other relevant information. I don't
2: Sincerely, know. Sincerely. Emily Winston Esquire. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) gosh. Well, I I don't I don't know about it. So I want to hear more about it. So please teach (laughs) me. okay. and again, we want to hear from you. All you out there our listeners about what you thought of this episode. If there were things that we missed, if there were things that we should be talking about or bringing to other people's attention about therapy and just what your experience with therapy has been. If you are in my shoes or if you've been going for 25 years and know all about it and want to teach me more, then please let me know. And the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash Multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multi-Amory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvinetta. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh Nonnen from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on MultiAmory.com.
1: Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance.